all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag enthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. Today on the podcast, we have Jordan Harper, a board-certified nurse practitioner, aesthetic provider, and the founder of Barefaced, a results-driven skincare brand backed by science. Jordan is one of the very first people I started following in this space, and her skincare education and tips are truly next level. We cover everything from the most impactful procedures to the products every skin type should be using. So tune in because I know you're going to take away so many skin tips. Jordan Harper, thank you so, so much for joining me today on the podcast. You, when I told my audience that I was going to be starting a podcast, your name kept coming up over and over. So I know a lot of people are really excited to hear from you. So thank you. Oh, yay. Well, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. So I always start the podcast by asking my guests, what is your first skincare memory? When I think back... I feel like I've always been interested in skincare. And when I think back, I don't have like a specific memory, but I definitely always remember seeing my mom do her skincare routine. And so it was kind of just like a part of her, you know, morning and night routine. I just remember watching her and also not being allowed to like use any of her products because she used medical grade skincare. And so I remember skincare being precious (laughs) and just like watching her do her skincare routine. So I always thought like, oh, this is like something that you do when you're an adult and like, you know, this is a good thing that you should do to take care of yourself. That's kind of like my first memory. And so it always seemed very interesting. And, you know, anytime you're not allowed to use something, it's like even more interesting. And so that's kind of like, when I think back on childhood, just like watching her get ready in the bathroom and stuff, it was always, she wasn't actually a big makeup person, more like skincare. So I definitely always remember that. I love that. And that's very much how you are too. And me too. Like we're very skin forward. We'd rather take care of our skin and makeup is just kind of the cherry on top when we want to use it. So that's definitely where you got that from. I love that. So at what age did you start using your own skincare? Did she kind of help you get into it or was that something that you got into all on your own? Probably it was kind of like, I guess, halfway through high school, I started having some different skin issues. And so that also then triggered, then I was like, more allowed to have skincare because I actually had issues with my skin. And so probably, yeah, probably like sophomore, junior year. Is it something, did you guys try to treat it like over the counter first? And then, because I know you've been super open about seeing actually a nurse practitioner who helped you with your acne. So did you try to treat it at home first or what was that process like for you? Well, the funny thing is, is my dad who has zero, he's very interested in like derm, which is very funny. He's just a paper sales salesman. So has no like background, but he is always, he's always had like a lot of derm issues. And so he feels like he can treat everything. And let me tell you, he almost like sabotaged me because... (laughs) He was, I, I had some like really sensitive skin. This is the very first skin issue I remember. This is before I acne um, around my, it was just like some dermatitis around my nose. And so he had me using steroids, like hydrocortisone cream on it morning and night, which obviously took it away. And then when I found out, yeah, I was like, oh, this is great. So I probably did that for, I mean, probably a year because oh, he's gosh. like, oh yeah, use this, use this. And then now looking back, I'm like, this guy's sabotaging me. So yes, we definitely did that. And then once I, I think I went just for like a derm checkup. I, I I don't think at that time, looking back, it's so funny. It's like, why would I not go see a derm if I had issues? But let me let my paper salesman father treat it. <laughs> um, 
And then I went and she was like, oh, wow, that's like really bad for your skin. And I feel like that kind of scared me because she was like, you can cause, you know, irreversible damage to your skin and thin it and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm like 16. So I really don't want that to happen. And so then that kind of was more like a guide of, oh, okay, I probably need to like actually get some professional treatment. But it was frustrating at first, I feel like, because you're like trying to do all these different things. And then of course, I'm just going to the drugstore. You know, where else am I going to go? And did you did you find once you finally saw that nurse practitioner for your acne, did it clear up pretty quickly? Or did you have, because some, you know, some of my patients, some of my followers, we go through a few medications before we find the right yes. routine. And, and that I think is sometimes something that people don't understand about skincare, that sometimes it is trial and error. Right. Well, and I think um, I've said this before, and this is so true because it's almost like we've forgotten, we as in like the public have forgotten that the skin is an organ. And so we're just casually treating it all the time with skincare and then just, you know, all the exposures that we have outside of skincare. And so it's like, we're doing these things. Do you, it takes multiple rounds of treatment sometimes to treat someone's high, high blood pressure. You know, mm-hmm. we're all like figuring that out. So I think I was prescribed different at first and my skin did not agree with that like at all. It was like very, it was just too harsh. My skin was too sensitive. And so, um, it took me a while to, I think I ended up using for my acne, I ended up using Atrolin, which I could tolerate a couple of days a week, but my skin has always been like, you know, one of those, those skin types. It's like, I want to use like more intense products, but it can never really tolerate it. So that's another reason too, why I obviously love prescription skincare and it definitely has a place, but like not all skin types can tolerate that on a consistent basis. So yeah, it definitely took a little, little bit of trial and error. And then I've also used a series cause I have rosacea, a series of, um, different sulfur treatments, which the rosacea component, that's where it got a little tricky, like having acne and rosacea, because, you know, if you're trying these more aggressive treatments, it's, flaring up the acne or flaring up the rosacea a little bit. So I use different like washes and gels. And so that took a little bit of trial and error too. I do. I love that you said that because skincare is a journey and it's like figuring out what treatments. And even if you go see someone in office, you're still like hand-holding a little bit through that process. Yeah, absolutely. And just because, you know, collectively you and the patient or the provider and the patient doesn't get it right the first time, I try to warn my patients that that that, that could absolutely be a possibility, especially when you're treating multiple things at once, like you have an acne and a rosacea at the same time. It can be really difficult. And the truth is, while, you know, we are very knowledgeable in these areas, we just never know how someone's skin is going to react until we do it. And same on our own skin. You know, you can use the same ingredient in three different formulations. And then the fourth one, for some reason, your skin just doesn't tolerate it. It happens all the time. So you really do have to try and and be consistent and then come back to the drawing board. I think that's where a lot of the problems are when when patients don't want to come back for that follow-up or they get discouraged and they just stop everything and don't come back and go to someone else. It's like just, just that follow-up is so essential and so key, whether it's prescription or or just a topical skincare regimen. Yeah. And like I see that, and I'm sure you do too, a lot with just from the aesthetic side of it with injectables. Mm-hmm. And I f- always would try to tell patients like you're, you know, as a provider, you're learning the face, you're learning your skin. And if you don't allow that provider to do that follow-up and you just keep bouncing around, that's when you have bizarre results because it does take that time to like learn the face, learn that that person's skin and how they respond to certain things. And so 
like sticking with them as long as you find someone you like, but it's like, doesn't mean they're always going to get everything right the first time. It's still a like trial and error. Yeah, absolutely. And even you might have a perfect result with your, let's say you're getting Botox in the forehead. You might have a perfect result the first couple of times. And although we try to inject each patient the same way when, when we know the result works, that third time there might be, you know, you might need a little bit more above the brow or something. So yeah. it happens all the time. And I think, I think just trusting your expert, trusting your injector is so important because what could to you seem like a horrible botch job because it's your face and you're staring at it to us is literally like the easiest fix. It's like, oh yeah, you just need one unit right there and you're perfectly symmetrical. So definitely, you know, those follow-ups. Yeah. Yeah, And that that pre-education that you're giving your patient before. So that way, like level setting the expectation. And that's where I think social media has like served us and hurt us because there's, there can be unrealistic expectations of outcomes to skin conditions, injectables, if they're not, if there's not like a level set when they come into the office and you're like, okay, this is what's really going on. Cause truly care shouldn't be patient dictated. It should be provider like dictated, but also like it's, it's a give and take you're listening to your patient, but then also making sure, you know, you are the expert in this field and they, you know, giving them guidance instead of like letting them dictate the whole treatment plan. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, sometimes we're as patients, And I say we because I am a patient as well. Like I let, you know, my colleagues inject me. We're so fixated on one line or one part of our face when in reality, you have to let someone objectively look at you and understand the face as a whole and what what other areas can be treated to give you the best benefit. Because sometimes, yeah, you might come in for your lips, but it might be something else that you really need to support that, that structure. Yes, I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about, because we have so many listeners and followers as I'm sure you do too, who are interested in either becoming an aesthetic nurse practitioner or an aesthetic PA or a nurse injector. What was your journey like? I know you started in critical care as a nurse. And what was your journey like from there to aesthetics? And was aesthetics always the goal or did it just kind of come about naturally? So going back to the experience I was sharing with my mom, I also just went with her to different appointments, you know, because when you're a kid, you just get dragged around. And little did I know that would actually be like kind of help me figure out the direction career path for me or kind of like direct the career path that I chose. And so for, I remember like going with her to get Botox and just going into a medical spa and then going into like a plastic surgeon's office and being like really intrigued by what was going on. And I also had laser hair removal at a young age because I don't know if you, you have a brother, I think, right? I have three. Yes. Three brothers. Great, great. So you get it. I have two. And they would always make fun of my underarms. They'd be like, why? Like, they're like so gross looking. And I'm like, okay, well, I just shaved. So thanks. Yeah. So you know, I was hyper aware of what was going on as far as being self-conscious about that. So I ended up getting laser hair removal at, I don't know, 17 or something as like a birthday gift because I was like, mom, please, before I go to college, this is like embarrassing. So I did, went to a medical spa for that. So there were certain little things that kind of piqued my interest. And so I knew when I went to college, I wanted to become a nurse and then kind of take that exact career path. I knew I wanted to work in aesthetics, but I also knew the path to get there wasn't become a nurse, work right away. And most of that was from people that I had seen when I went to these medical spas and they're like, we highly recommend you become a nurse practitioner just because you have a lot more autonomy. You can treat patients, prescribe medications, you know, So I knew that was the path. And so I also wanted to give myself the best exposure, which is why I chose critical care. And so I did, I ended up working in critical care for probably four and a half, five years because I also worked like while I was in 
MP school. And then even after that, so then after MP school, then you got to get a job and people don't want to hire nurse practitioners or anyone, right? Who doesn't have experience because it's such a coveted industry and such a coveted career. And so I then had to kind of get creative on how to get trained, how to get jobs. So I ended up actually taking a little bit of an untraditional path and it wasn't like the most financially secure, but I knew like if I just get a job in like GI or something just to have a job that has a good salary that has benefits. Like, yeah, that's like security, but that's not ultimately what I want to do. And so I didn't do that. I ended up working like three different jobs at med spas. And I think I was just paid hourly. I I had a pretty, I knew I was making a lot less than like other nurse practitioners, but I knew like I was playing that long game. And so I spent a lot of time just reaching out to people, shadowing to get more experience. And then I was able to save a little money, take some different like injectable courses. It was kind of really like grassroots, you know, or building, you know, or like that kind of slow, a slow build, but it gave me a lot of experience. And it also let me see different work environments and see how different people practiced, which was really helpful because at the time, and this is back, you know, almost 10 years ago, I think like the natural approach was kind of like just coming around like looking natural and that natural injection style, I think it was still a lot, and it obviously it still is today to an extent, overdone. And so that was kind of like eye-opening, watching and learning how the face, because I was traveling kind of all over. I would drive wherever anyone would allow me to shadow. So I think it's a lot of just like taking ownership and just figuring it out and seeing whoever would help, you know, help instruct me outside of like, you know, these paid courses because paid courses are great and they're nice to have, but that's not really where you get the bulk of that experience. It's really like obviously hands-on and then seeing different people's perspectives. I still think these, and I know you do this too, like these these training with different injectors is so fun. So fun. It gives you totally different, you know, ideas and perspective on things. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing that. And I think the moment you lose that, it's, it's really concerning as really any any professional or any kind of provider because you have to always be willing to learn and learn from other people. And none of us know it all. None of us have the best techniques in every area. So I love seeing the way my colleagues inject or, or do different procedures. I think it's so fascinating. And you know, each time you do that, you take little tidbits away. And even if their their aesthetic isn't just like yours, you can still always learn something and kind of inject it into your own style. Totally. I love that. So this is actually one of the exact predicaments I get in my DMs all the time is, should I take the lower paying job that maybe will give me more experience or should I take the higher paying job that really is nothing like what I want to do? And I think ultimately everyone's lifestyle is different, but it sounds like you were probably about the same as me. I wasn't when I first started working as a PA, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. So I kind of had that ability to to kind of take the lower the lower paying position potentially and and kind of go for for the dream, the the end goal, like you said. Especially if you have clarity. I think if you don't have clarity and you're like, and that's the cool thing about being in the medical space, especially as um, like a mid-level provider, because we can work in a lot of different realms, which is amazing. But we also want to make sure, like if you don't have clarity, then sure, take different jobs and see what makes sense for you. But if you do, just, you have to just be persistent. And like, I, yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think short-term, long-term always trumps in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I also actually started in critical care for my first, well, my first job as a PA and I loved it, but I knew that's not where I was going to be forever. But I also felt it was important, you know, you come out of school, 
to kind of cement some of that like general medical knowledge first before before specializing in anything. And I'm still super happy I did it. I gained a lot of life skills from that position. But and and to be honest, I was only in critical care for three years and I had more time in me. Like I actually loved it. It's, you know, an adrenaline rush. It's really fun to solve the puzzle of, you know, a critically ill patient. But you know, when the right, the right opportunity kind of fell in my lap and I was like, I can't pass this up. So I'm glad I didn't, but, but you know, sometimes it's a waiting game. Yeah. And you learn a lot of empathy and you learn how to deal with people. And I I don't know if looking back, I feel like I'm not, I'm an, I'm a non-alarmist. I'm pretty even keel. And so it takes a lot to kind of like get me tripped up or like, you know, send me over the edge. And I wonder if some of that is like having that experience in critical care. And it gives you a perspective on like, what's, what's valid to panic about versus like what's not. And most things aren't. And I think that kind of like gives you a good perspective and the way you have to communicate with patients, even though in the aesthetic industry, it's like typically not a, you know, critical situation. You still have to, you know, use those like empathy. And it's still a lot of like psychological connection or like a psychological component because you're dealing with people's vulnerabilities. And so it's making sure you're like being thoughtful in the way that you're, because what seems like no big deal to me is a really big deal to them, but it's like not to dismiss that, but to like be able to be empathetic about it, but also then provide a treat, you know, a treatment plan on top of that. Yeah. I would argue that sometimes there's even more of a psychological component in aesthetics. I mean, that's something, and I remember other, you know, my colleagues telling me that from the beginning, like this is a huge part of what we do, especially when you're talking about, you know, young women who are dealing with acne or or something like that. That there is an absolute strong psychological component to that, and it's been proven in so many studies. So it's so important, as you said, to be empathetic in not just your cosmetic patients, but also you know these skincare issues too. Well, yeah, because it's like subjective, not objective. And so you're having to like kind of everyone's different in that and what they what they subjectively see about themselves. Yeah. And we have to be understanding of that. You know, what as exactly as you said, something that might not be a big deal if it was on my face. I would like sometimes I'm like squinting. I'm like, what? I, can you show me with a mirror what you're talking about? Because I don't even see it. But then, you know, understanding where that issue comes from. Maybe it's a tiny little scar that has some sort of meaning to them that they they just don't want to think about anymore. All those things where you're thinking, if I had that, I wouldn't even worry about it. No one even notices it, but they do. And it's important to them. And and it, like you said, it's important for us to be empathetic about those things. So I want to know how long into your aesthetic career, did thoughts of a brand start popping in your head? Or was it something that you always wanted to do? Not really, actually. If anything, I would have thought maybe like when I'm older, like in my, you know, more towards like the end of my career type thing, but not really. And especially, I kind of always thought I was going to be the injector. And I definitely wanted to have like my own practice. And I always appreciated the skincare component, knowing that like, you know, 80% of your everyone wants healthy glowing skin and you're not going to get that by just getting office treatment. So like, I definitely knew the importance of like both and I would, was very interested in both, but I just, I didn't really even know that was an option kind of thing. And it wasn't until, so I was, I had probably worked in aesthetics for three years when I started getting the idea. And it was mostly because people were willing to come in and invest in these office treatments. But, uh, and it wasn't that they weren't willing to invest in 
skincare. They just didn't know what to use. And so then that was, you know, from the beginning. And so I would create skincare routines for them. And I just found it starting to be really confusing in the sense of like, okay, we have to, we're having to use a lot of products to achieve certain things. And so I was like, I want to try to like really simplify this process and make it where, you know, we can just use three to four core products to like transform the skin, like kind of being like the workhorses of the workhorses of your skincare routine. And I honestly just started talking to a chemist because I was just interested in what they had to say. I wasn't even thinking of a product line at the time. I was just like, I'm just, I was, I was interested in a couple different products because I was like, I'm feeling like I'm having to like combine a bunch of different products to get these like different results. And they were like, oh, actually, you know, giving me just like feedback on that and like why that was the case. And then obviously, you know, I understood that one product can't, one formulation can't do it all. So that was also really helpful to kind of like understand why certain skincare is formulated in different ways. But it wasn't until probably three years in when I started having that idea. And then it was probably over five years when I actually like launched something. Wow. So at this point, you already have your own practice and you're you're potentially launching a brand, right? At this point? Well, yeah. And the reason why this happened was sometimes things that you think are the worst situation of your life end up being you know, you use that opportunity to be the best. And so my husband had matched for a residency. So we had been in Charleston for seven years and I'd spent that time building up my patient base. And so I was really established, I felt, in Charleston. And so he matched for a residency outside of Charleston, which was really devastating for me. I was, I mean, a lot of tears shed and I thought we were just, like Charleston was our place. And so he matched, he had like a internship in Augusta and it was like, two and a half hours from Charleston. And, and at first I thought, I was like, oh, just maybe I'll stay in Charleston. And then, you know, you do your residency. But we had an eight month old at the time. And, <laughs> and I remember going down this like, this whole kind of like spiral of like, okay, I feel like my identity, I don't know if you follow like do anything with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three. And a lot of your personal value comes from providing value to others. And so what I really started to break down was, is I was feeling like my value, like if I didn't have this career, then I had no value. And I remember like kind of going down this thought process of, okay, who do I want to be in 10 years? Do I want to be someone that didn't go with her husband because of a job? Or do I want to be someone that's like focusing on having a strong marriage, a strong family? And that really like helped me like thinking, again, going back to like thinking outside the short term, thinking long term really helped me be like, okay, no, I can't stay in a city because of a job. And, and at this time, you know, I'm still the sole financial like provider for our family. He's been in residency. So yes, finances are very important. And I, obviously we have to, that was something I had to think about. But then I started to have to get creative. And that's when I started, I had a practice in Augusta for a little bit. And I just rented a dent, rented out of a dental office. And I remember being like embarrassed about that because I thought, I should have some like really nice, fancy office, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I wanted because, you know, that makes you feel like it, again, it goes back to like, that makes you feel like you're, you know, more legitimate, but really it's like, you got to figure out ways to pay the bills. And I, my injection style wasn't changing, whether I was at a dentist's office or like a fancy office. And I just remember like, there's some just humbling things where it's like, none of this stuff matters if we focus on like, the main thing. And so I started doing that and I would travel back to Charleston at that time, like once a month to see patients, but it wasn't sustainable having a child and it was just too much. And so I just started at this point, I was just selling medical grade skincare. Um, and I was selling it online through a patient portal, you know, just through my blog. And then, then I launched barefaced 
in January of 2020. And I probably would have never done that if we hadn't moved out of Charleston because I was so comfortable there. And so I was just an injector. And but so anyways, it's so interesting how things that like you think are going to, you think your career is over and really like seeing opportunities, being open to opportunities. My mom always says like, you know, bloom where you're planted. And that's truly all you can do because you can't control like always what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. And so all that to say is I'm thinking I'm launching this product line again, just to serve my existing patients. And it just grew into something that I could have never imagined. Yeah. It's been, it's been so amazing to watch it grow. And I actually remember, I think the first time I started following you and started like reading your blog, I don't think you had barefaced yet. Now that I think about it, because I remember going on and seeing all of, you know, the revision and all those awesome brands. And then I remember specifically when you started carrying barefaced on there. So it's just, it's been really amazing to watch it grow. And we're going to talk all about barefaced. But one of the most common questions I got when I said you were coming on was how, speaking of your family, your husband, your children, you have four kids Mm -hmm. and you seem so present with them. And you have, you know, an awesome husband who also has a very demanding job. How on earth do you juggle it all? (laughs) Okay. So this is where I feel like that perception of, you know, you can't juggle it all. And so this is where I really lean into, and I started doing this really right after I left Charleston. So Charlie, my oldest was eight months at the time. And before that I had a pretty traditional schedule. I would go into my job. It was, I was working pretty much eight to six every day. And so I had, my hours were like accounted for, but then getting out of that space and getting more into like the entrepreneurial space, like you are responsible for your time. And it almost what I noticed was I was like not being responsible with my time. And so I was feeling very overwhelmed. Like, like I had no time to do anything. And I realized it's because I'm not just spending my time wisely. So now my thing is I don't, I try, like not perfect, but I try to never say like, I don't have time for this. I try to say like, I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't made time for this because truly like, I believe we have time to do the things that we really want to do. It's just, are we spending our time wisely? So I think when Charlie was about eight months, when I started, when I got off my traditional, like eight to six, eight to five schedule. Um, I wrote out the things and I think someone had told me this. I think it was even a patient. It was like, write out the most important things that only you can do as a mom, as a business owner, as a wife. And those are the things that are like, that's your priority. And so can, you know, can in anything you can afford to outsource, outsource that. And so like, I don't want to outsource quality time with my kids, but I can try to get creative and get like different meal plans because I don't want to spend time cooking. I know that's not something that like I enjoy at this stage in my life. I can outsource, you know, maybe like laundry or certain things. And you can only do that. And I, I've been able to gradually do that as I've been able to afford that because it's not realistic depending on different, you know, phases of life that you're in. But I do feel like I really made it to like a clear focus on time blocking. And that's been the most transformative thing for me is making sure, and I, and I do that so I can be present. Because to me, like being present is the goal. If we can't be present in our lives, then like, what are we, what are we doing? This is, the, this is the life, you know? And so I time block and I time block very specific things. And so I have my ideal week and I look at my week on Sunday and I block out like, this is the time when I'm going to be with my kids. Otherwise, I feel like I have to be at work all the time, mentally. I'm like, shoot, did I do that or did I do that? And so I, and if you ever see me like posting on social, I'm not with my kids. I'm probably at work. I'm posting on, but I like, I'm going to take these videos either way of them. And then if I, if there's stuff that I feel comfortable sharing, I will. If not, you know, I won't. But 
so time blocking has been like the biggest thing. So that way I'm even time blocking transitional time. And that's where I find like I waste the most time. So like, that's where, you know, you're like, you drive to a place and you're sitting in the car for a little bit. So I'm not just like sitting on my phone for 30 minutes because that's very easy to do. So I feel like time blocking to me has like been a lifesaver and really focusing on what are the things that are most important for me to do so I can be most present in my job with my family, you know, with my husband. But I definitely don't do it all. And if you come over to my house on a Saturday, it's going to be chaotic. <laughs> chaotic. Yeah. I love that. I think that's always my answer too is, you know, I don't juggle at all. That's the truth. You just you just pick what's most important to you. And some days that's different than other days. Totally. Um, and, and you just, ha- something's always going to give and you kind of have to be okay with that. But like you said, you know, your family comes first, you know, most days and, and that's, that's the way it has to be and everything else. If that means there's one less post or something like that, that's, that's just, that's just how it is. Yep. But it's a super common question. And, and another question we got a lot from you is because you're always very open about your reads, what you're reading on your Instagram story. So what are your favorites? So a couple of your favorite personal development reads, like what, what are like some of the life changing books that you've read? So there's two books I read every year and I try to read them every January. And I've done this for the past four years. Essentialism is one of my favorite books. And have you ever read it? No, I've never even heard of it. Okay, great. Well, yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, So Essentialism, I love because it's all about uh, less but better. And it's kind of a philosophy I've taken into uh, really all aspects of my life and especially bareface. Like how can we have the least amount of products but make, make it better? So... I love that because it's all about saying no. And I say no to so many things. And as the business grows, we get offered a lot of opportunities. As our family grows, there's a lot of opportunities of like play dates and you know little things that we could always do and really being intentional about the things that you say yes to. So it's all about how our effort, we only have, you know, so much energy, so much effort we can give and trying to really have clarity on like focusing on for work. It's one one thing for family it's like just focusing on family so it's really really it's a really good book i highly recommend it so i re- try to read that every january it always provides me like this will be my fit like upcoming fifth year reading it and i'll read it again just because i always get something out of it it's like a little refresh and then i also read atomic habits that's a good one it's so it, it, those two books like they leave me feeling you know how when you read some books and you're just like okay well that was inspiring but i can't do any of that. (laughs) Like I have to rebuild my life. And I love Atomic Habits because you don't feel like that. It gives you little tangible things to just get like 1% better. So it's like, what's one tiny thing I can do? And so it feels like it's realistic to integrate into your life. And And I, that book, just being aware of your habits and some of the stuff, you know, we're doing, we've been doing this stuff for years and whether that's your habits on like how you think, or actually like what you're doing, all of that stuff, just being aware of that is really transformative. And you learn that you can free up so much mental space, physical space. So those are my two like go-tos. I love that book too, because you can really pick and choose what's realistic for you to implement now. And then maybe you can add some other things later, but it really is doable. Like you said, it makes you feel like you have some power to change some things. And it's not just this like ethereal book that you're never going to do anything with. Right. I love that. So I also want to talk a little bit about in-office procedures. So we're going to get to skincare because I think that's where you and I feel that it's really so impactful and so important. But I want to touch quickly on in-office procedures because I think sometimes when people follow 
people like us who talk so much about skincare, at least in my experience, sometimes they're shocked when I talk about procedures and I'm always like, wait, 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 they go together. Like they, they're, they're important. If, if it's something you want to pursue, if procedures are something you want to pursue, they really do complement skincare and vice versa. So beautifully, they, they aren't targeting the same things. They really target different things. So I want to talk a little bit about what are your favorite procedures, not only on yourself, but for your patients. Like, what do you think is the most impactful? Yeah, I agree. I think I think it sometimes can surprise people too because it's like, no, I'm not trying to hide the things that, are, and no one should be. But I think socially, that's probably relatively new. Sharing, you know, office treatments probably over the past five to ten years, just the being comfortable doing that. Um, and I agree, like one does not replace the other. But I and you say this too. But if you're going to start somewhere, obviously start with your skincare because that's like going back to the brushing your teeth analogy, like. Yeah, you still need to go to the dentist, but if you don't brush your teeth every day, then, then your teeth What's aren't going to be very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like all these little add-on treatments that you do, whether they're at-home treatments or in office, like that just is additional. It doesn't ever like one doesn't replace the other. So, I mean, hands down, Botox is just like, it's just the greatest. But outside of that, because that's like everyone knows that mm-hmm. or not, maybe doesn't everyone doesn't know it, but like... Botox is just like that marries so well with skincare because relaxing those muscles underneath and like actually letting your skin just, it just makes the skin look so good. So that's for sure one of my favorites. But as far as like skincare treatments, I love, I love a laser. I love lasers. Um, microneedling, I think, is a is a great treatment for some patients. I think it's been a little over marketed. I think for a patient who's you know 40, 35 and younger, it's a nice treatment. Depending on the you know if you're just wanting a little collagen boost, but then I do love like a CO two resurfacing laser. But obviously, that has more significant downtime. Um, it can be a little bit scary, but I just think that's. So it makes it just so beautiful for the skin. Yeah, I love a CO2. Talking about it makes me want to get one. Um, <laughs> so I love that. And I uh, I love, it's hard. There's so many good ones you, and they're all different. You just shared your sculpture experience. Is that something you are happy with? Are you glad you did it? Yeah, yeah I love sculpture. I'll tell you something I think is just amazing and that people... I, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. I've seen providers talk about this, but temple filler. When you get to be a certain age, like it is life giving. I, I, my temples were so hollow before, and it just makes you feel like more refreshed. Yeah, it's funny because when I did my sculpture early this year, I also did filler in my temples at the same time, and it was like that was one of the things I I was. That's what I want. I mean, that's all I could see in the mirror was my temples. So we're, you know, we're trained to see those things, but to someone else, it's not something they're going to notice that their temples are hollow. But once they're filled in, it just gives so much youth back to the face. It's because if you look at young people, you know, very young people, they don't have hollowed out temples. And as we get older, it's, it's just like a dead giveaway to the eye that, that we don't even know how to articulate if it's not something you're trained to do. So I agree. I love that. Treatment. Yeah. Well, we see like the eye sees like shadows. And so it's like, you don't really know why you look a certain way, but it's like those, yeah, like we're trained to see that, but the, the typical like untrained eye, I guess you would say they're like, they're just noticing shadows and that's what gives you, you know, that makes you look older. And I don't really, I'm, I'm happy to be getting right. older, you know, I'm happy to still be here, but I do feel like, you know, it's like, you want to look how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to feel like you're tired. I feel like I always have to put that disclaimer, you know, because we talk about quote unquote anti-aging so much, but it is a privilege to age. And I think 
any one of us in this industry is going to tell you that. And we're, we're so happy to live every single day, but we're still allowed to want to look our best as we get older. I think there's this like villainization of anti-aging procedures and skincare, which I think is so silly. Or, or I always get the comments of your generation is terrified to age. It's so sad. And I'm like, not at all. We're, I think Mm -hmm. we're excited to age because we have so many more so much more at our fingertips that never any generation has ever had, even when it comes to just overall health, our our mental health, our, our cognitive health. There's so much out there now, so much more knowledge. And I think we're kind of excited to see what we do with it. And I would say the same with skincare and procedures. We're not afraid to age. We just, we just want our skin to look healthy as we do. And I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that. I just recently did this um, blood blood panel um, to now that I'm like 34, well, I guess I'm 36 now, but I was 35 at the time. And then like, after I've had all these kids, I just want to make sure like my hormones are good. I want to make sure. So that was really cool. And I just did that from, you know, from a functional medicine, well, he's an MD, but it was just interesting because it's like, why do I not want to feel my best in all areas? And now we have the ability to do that. I actually, I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of that MRI that people are doing? Yeah. Full body? Yeah. I'm like so afraid of it. <laughs> I'm such a hype. Yeah. I'm just like terrified. It's going to give me like, I'm going to panic over some like tiny little nodule or something, but is that something you're going to do? I don't know. Maybe I'm always, I'm yeah. just always interested in looking at it. I saw also this like brain scan thing. I mean, you got to be careful because you can kind of like spiral with these things. And, uh, right. but I do think it's interesting. And I do think there's ways that we can, I don't just want to like be like live uh, to be older, I want to be like a long, healthy life. And so I think there's different things that we have access to now that some of them are new and they're just like, they sound shiny and exciting. So I kind of like want to take a pulse before because also all that stuff gets like, you know, you can really go deep in that. And also that stuff gets really expensive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I don't know how much the MRI is, but I've seen, I think the first time I saw it was on like a Kardashian's episode or something oh. where they were promoting it. Yeah. But I've heard of some other people doing it and, and, you know, they're super happy that they did. And I actually looked at the website and was just doing some research on it and they, they are very clear. Like, you know, there is of course a possibility that something might come up and then you have to kind of go down this rabbit hole to make sure it's nothing. Yeah. And that would never have happened had you not done it. So I like how transparent they are yeah. about those things. And I think as long as you're not alarmist, you know, you should, it's a good thing to do. I think, I think it's kind of cool. I, I, I'm definitely interested in it, but it also scares the crap out of me. <laughs> I just did a, last year I did a thermogram. I don't know if you ever heard, I've done that, but mm-hmm. I did a full body and then, um, they do one for like breast. And so I need to do like my follow up just to keep a, I don't have like a history of breast cancer. I do like maybe on second, secondary history or something, but, uh, mm-hmm. But it's something where they can check those changes due to the heat because they uh, oh wow senses heat and so it was funny I'm having a lot of like ankle and foot trouble recently but I had sprained my ankle that morning and so it was like red on fire you know on the thermogram but it's interesting because areas that are more inflamed so a lot of times you know if you have like any risk of any like cancers or anything like that those those will start to show inflammation which are going to show that they're like more red. Anyways, this is not a functional medicine conversation. I'm not the one. Yeah, I know. But I do think Wait, but okay, really this is so interesting. Yeah. So did you, you talked about how you have a history of rosacea. What did your face look like in this thermogram? You know, it looked fine. Yeah, that's so interesting because I would have I would have been curious because I have rosacea too. I have I'm I'm usually just like the flushing type, yep. but it still flares today. So I would be I would be interested to see <laughs> how much I flare on something like that. Yeah, and you know what? It was cold. It was like uh, in the fall. It was in October, like end of October. So it wasn't like it was a hot. Like I wonder if in the summer it would have been like more. Well, yeah. No, I didn't notice anything. It's so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. 
This podcast is brought to you by, well, me. Skinthusiast.com is your one-stop shop for all things skin and beauty. We have so many blog posts that you could educate yourself on skincare all day long. If you want a deeper dive, I hold your hand through creating a skincare regimen from scratch in my comprehensive skincare guide. And we have the cutest crewnecks for anyone who's in their skin era. If you're a skin enthusiast, you're going to love it here. Head to skinthusiast.com forward slash shop. Okay, so we talked about some of your favorite in-office procedures. And at home, what are your favorite like at-home treatments to do to yourself? Like dermaplaning or like an at-home peel? Is there anything you regularly do at home that you think is beneficial and safe for people to do in the comfort of their own home? Um, hands down, my favorite treatment that I always consistently do. Like I've messed, you know, I, I'll do a mask occasionally. I'll do, you know, these other little things, but I always love to shave my face. And we actually, I don't know when this is coming out, but we are launching the first ever. I need to send you this. Oh, actually I have. I said I do. You did. Yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to talk about it. Um, the first ever women's shave oil, because I have been shaving my face for over a decade. And I actually, I actually started getting my face waxed before I shave, before I started shaving it because I actually shaved because I thought I had hair, a hairy face. It wasn't because of like this, the benefits of shaving. And so I was like, oh, I'll just start to get it waxed. And then I started really breaking out from getting it waxed. And I don't know if it was like dirty wax or who knows. But but then I started shaving. So it's a testament that obviously it will not make it dark, your hair darker. It will not make it grow back thicker. But that's definitely like, that's one that's tried and true for me. I am pretty pretty minimal with like the additional treatments I do outside of skincare. I mean, I probably did, I haven't done a mask in probably six months, but you know, they're fun to do. I just don't, it's like when I have the time, I don't do it. Yeah. I, I, I say that all the time about masks because exactly they're cute, they're fun, and maybe they're going to give you a little bit of an instant benefit. But my gosh, I can think of a million other things I need to do with that yep. 10 minutes. Like yep. even like my LED, I'd rather do that. You know, your, your time is so limited and you want to make sure that you're doing things that are impactful. But I really think that, you know, shaving your face at home is one of those things that makes such a huge difference in the way your skin looks and feels immediately. It's, it's so amazing. And you did send me the oil. Yeah. I was never like an oil person. Like I, I would never use an oil before dermaplaning. I like doing it on dry and I am obsessed with it. Like it just, yes, I love it. And it's so satisfying too, because the way everything kind of comes off with the oil as you're shaving is, is just like even more satisfying than doing it on dry skin. And your skin doesn't get that like dry tight feeling that it often will get after you shave it dry. So I, I am sold. Like I'm a, I'm a convert. I love it. Yes. Good. I love it too. It's like it, my skin always, and I've kind of perfected it and I don't break out anymore after dermaplaning. I know a lot of people have like sensitivity with breaking out because of like the, I definitely always dermaplane at night. Well, now we're calling it oil planing. I love it. Oil planing. Oil planing. So I always recommend like, if you're going to shave your face, do it at night. Um, There's definitely, and I always, you know, do toning pads or some sort of exfoliating, like making sure your skin is double cleansed. You're getting clean, clean skin prior. It's really like oil planing is a piece of it or the oil is a piece of it, but like the whole process of that to prevent, you know, skin irritation and breakouts, but my skin would just feel so dry the next day. And so this is just like completely eliminated that and, you know, any sensitivity and I love it. I'm so excited for it to actually launch. When does it launch? Uh, September 27th. Okay. Awesome. That's so exciting. Um, we have a few questions that came in from the audience. One of them was, what are your recommendations for a sensitive skin barrier? 
First, I would say, like, what I generally do is, like, are we talking in office or if someone sends me a message? Because it's different, obviously. Um, I think I think this is more like what they can do at home. So I generally, like, feel like the goal is strengthening the skin. And a lot of times it's just doing, like, a reset. And so for us, if someone sends us a picture, you know, and their skin looks red, irritated, inflamed, I would say the first thing is just, like, stopping your exfoliants, like your AHAs, BHAs, stopping your retinoid and kind of, like, let's get back to, let's get back to neutral. And once you feel like your skin is it's at its normal space, and that still might not be that still might be sensitive, I generally recommend just keeping it. Obviously, sunscreen. We recommend overachiever because the goal of that is like strengthening the skin, and then a hydrating lotion. Just keeping it really, really simple, and then gradually adding one thing at your one thing to your skincare routine at a time, so that way you're not like stripping the barrier uh, that you're like working hard to build. So, and then, and the sensitive skin, I feel like it's so common these days. And so it's something that with all of these like skincare recommendations that everyone's getting from social, I think the biggest thing is just like cutting back, start over and like minimal. Yeah. Less is more when it comes to skincare. And, and what, what I love about barefaced is that you have few products and each of them is impactful in a skincare routine. And I think sometimes, like I'm sure you get this question all the time, like what niacinamide serum should I use? What HA serum should I use? And I'm like, it's already in your other stuff. Like keep it simple. Like shop. I am a big, I really implore people to shop by concern and skin type rather Mm -hmm. than ingredient. Because at the end of the day, like I'm like, you know, trust the chemists. They're the ones who are putting all these ingredients together trust your provider. They're the ones recommending these ingredients for the issues that you have. And that's going to be a lot more impactful for your skin than trying to have a seven, you know, seven or 10 step routine. And you have like a niacinamide serum and then you have, you know, it's just crazy. This is like, this like ingredient shopping to me, I think is a big problem when it comes to not only sensitive skin, but also like not seeing the results that you're looking for with your skincare. Totally. Well, there's synergy also in like these pairing these ingredients together. So there's really no need for an additional like hyaluronic acid serum when it's in every single product that that is out there pretty much. And yeah, especially like, can you imagine if we were doing that with like diabetic medication? If we were just shopping, like that's not the point. And that's what going back to what I was saying earlier, let the, and it's not to say like blindly trust experts or whatever, but there's also just kind of like you can take a breath when you know that there are experts. And if you find someone, find someone you like and connect with. And that's why there's a lot of these experts out there that if you feel like you connect to like their philosophy and how they recommend, you know, products or whatever, like stick with them. And that's what I do. I think about like my hair stylist. I'm not searching the best hair stuff for my hair. I'm saying they're looking at my hair. They're saying, these are the products you need. I'm like, great. Decision. I have decision fatigue. You tell me. Same thing. Like, let the, what if I work out? I'm going to just follow. I love Madeline Moves. I'm going to follow what she tells me to do because she is the expert in that. And so I think, like, you're going to, it's, to me, it's a relief. I do, I'm trying to do that with like clothes. I'm trying to do that with anything. Like, we have so many decisions, and there's people that actually spend their, dedicate their lives to like become experts in these fields. As if you find someone that you feel like you connect with, then like, I mean, not follow again, not follow them blindly, but like use that, use them as a resource. And I think when you start to mix a bunch of these different opinions on stuff, that's when you can start to have these reactions. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a lot of the issues that we're seeing lately, especially with social media. There's just so much information out there. Um, Something 
thing I have found when we've been doing our testing though, um, from our, we do third-party testing before these products go into reduction or anything like that. And something that they were sharing with us is since 2020, yes, or 2019, either one, doesn't matter. There have been more sensitivities to product testing across the board than ever before. And I wonder if it's just our level of exposure to, I mean, who knows what, but we are just, we are exposed to you know, pollutants, chemicals, like all the time. And I just wonder if we're like at our overload. That makes sense. Just- because mm-hmm. I know, I don't know if you've ever heard of like, I have some patients who see allergists and they do like patch testing and things like that. And then, you know, after they patch test, they start reacting to things they didn't react fr- to before. Yeah, because they've had now had yes, exposure to and, it. And it's just mm-hmm. so interesting. I think, I think you're probably right on the money because we're just using so many different things all the time. And not a lot of people aren't sticking with things, right? They're like, they're constantly trying yes. new things. And not only is that not great for your results, but but I can see where that would be an issue as far as exposure goes. Yeah. yeah. I also like what for our, for Bareface especially, and this is how I am because I don't want to like try a bunch of different things. I feel like we are, we're not like for everyone and we're really for the person that like is wanting to invest in their skin, but also be consistent because exactly what you're saying, like we're, if you're trying and interested in trying a bunch of different things, like then probably don't try barefaced because it's just, you're going to be underwhelmed because you're not like following it. It's like saying, trying a bunch of different workout programs. You're going to be like, I'm going to try this one day, this another day. You're just not going to see those results if you're just kind of random use equals random results. You know, it's like you can't- Right, I love that. Yeah, you can't like guarantee something when it's just like, at leisure, trying different things. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier this summer, Barefaced, let's see, they celebrated three years and mm-hmm. 500,000 shipments, right? That was earlier in the summer. Yeah. That is really exciting. And I feel like the brand has really grown. Like I'm watching it as a as a bystander and it feels like it's grown so much and you have such a dedicated following. I want to know when the audience actually asks this, what makes them stand out from the very large crowd, do you think? Like what and I know your your retention rate is super, super high. What do you think about your products makes them so stand out? Um, okay. I think there's a couple things. I think we provide clarity. I think we provide clarity and simplicity. Um and we also provide, you know, education and this started with my account and then it's really like transitioned more into the barefaced account. But I feel like we're really intentional about telling people not just about our product, but educating on like skin type, skin concerns. And so I tell our customer experience team, I tell all of our teams, like our goal is to serve, not sell. And so even if that means, you know, we give a recommendation for another product that we don't even carry, like we want to be a resource for people. And ultimately like people can tell when, when you're like recommending something that's the like best for them. And if, even if they try it, if you don't recommend something that's like best for them and they try it, then they're never coming back to see you. They, you've lost their trust. And I think that's something we really try to focus on. I also feel like we are so in touch with our customer and all of these products, they weren't just my idea. They were listening to patients in office that I've treated over the past and then listening to people on social, just listening. And then from that, I don't feel like I'm like that creative or I don't have that many like maybe like, I don't know if the words like original ideas, but I, I can see opportunities and I can, I'm a problem solver. And so I think that's my strength. And so listening to problems that patients were expressing to me in office and then online, after doing that for a period of time, I kind of felt like by the time I launched these products, I knew they were going to be successful because they were solving 
problems. I love that. I love that you said that because I think I'm very similar and I've never thought about that before. Like I do consider myself a problem solver, but I'm always hard on myself for like not having that initial idea. But exactly as you said, if someone comes to me with a problem, I, I can always work through it and then that will give me the idea, but I'm not like having these ideas from from scratch. Yep. So I love that you said that because it's it clearly it's working for you guys. I mean, I mean, your your following is so interested and I, I love that you still are so dedicated to education even though you now have a, a line that you quote unquote sell. It's it's so important I think to retain your audience attention and and you do such a great job at educating exactly as you said without selling to somebody. You know, they can even take your education and go look at what they already have and and know how to use it a little bit better, which I think is it's kind of rare in this industry. You know, I think a lot of times when you see people, even experts, who then launch something of their own, it becomes all about that. And it should be, but you've really kept that educational component and and you can tell that you're really concerned about your viewer and your your followers and making sure that they get the most out of it not just sales which i think is it comes across so i'm i'm sure that everyone really appreciates that thank you i appreciate that it's definitely like there's definitely a balance you know because it's like obviously we want to talk about our products that we have but also uh, i just think about what i want as a consumer i want to be presented with information and then make the decision myself. I never want to feel like, and if someone feels pushy, like I, I'm out. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to. Do mm-hmm. But but people also want a solution to be recommended. I found sometimes where if I'm just kind of educating through it, they'll be like, "Oh, great, yeah, I'm so glad you did that." But like, what do yes. I use? You know. So it, exactly as you said, it's nice to have that balance. And can you tell our audience a little bit about your core four products and and what they are and why you recommend them? Yes. So we named our core four products the bare necessities because, you know, bare face had to. Um, and the mm-hmm. core four products that we have are SPF, an exfoliant, a retinoid, and a vitamin C. And so for a while, we had the key three, which I'm sure you... Um, I love that. Yeah, the key three. Yeah. So which was the SPF, retinoid, and vitamin C. And those are the three like true building blocks of your skincare routine. And we added in our fourth component, the exfoliant, just because... Um, obviously to get the dead skin off to um, actually see more results. And so our core four are the four key building blocks to healthy glowing skin. And this is like, again, a long-term game. We're not promising any type of results overnight, overnight, but this is something that every skin type can benefit from. And we have a variation of those um, with our skin quiz. So if you take it, there's a variation of like, if you're pregnant, if you're pregnant, then you're going to get a different recommendation, but it's still going to be within that core four. So we do recommend our skin quiz because we have uh, toning pads, toning pads too. So we're not going to recommend like toning pads too for the first time user. Um, So that's kind of our goal with that is to those think I think of those products as like your biggest investment because they're like the workhorse in your routine. And then from there, gradually adding on. I love that. And if someone is maybe on a budget and they can't go straight into the core four, is there one product that I know obviously your skin type is a huge, um, a huge determination of which product you're going to go for, but is there one that you think is really going to give them like a bang for their buck and really excite them as a first product if they're on a budget? Yes. Obviously, 
and I'm not saying you have to use bareface SPF, but like obviously, like we all know that if you're not wearing a daily SPF, then like none of your skincare even matters. And so, but you know, I'm still surprised. You know, I get we're so deep in this, but I'm still surprised how many people don't do that. Um, so yeah. obviously, daily SPF, and I think that's the trickiest one to figure out for your skin type. So if you have a daily SPF that you like love, just stick with it. That's not one I think is worth playing around with, not just from a sensitivity breakout standpoint, but from like a pilling standpoint. There's just a lot of mm-hmm. SPF is tricky. And I would say, I do feel like toning pads are the most exciting because you're going to see results quicker. And I think that's why those are our most popular products because people don't want to wait. And I think within a couple of days to a couple of weeks of using those, you're going to see like your skin, it's going to look glowy. It's going to look just brighter, smoother. But so that's what I would say is like the most exciting and there are um, most affordable product. However, because I'm about the long game, I would say, I think depending on your age, you know, if you're in your 30s, I would say the next thing you should add is a retinoid. Yeah. But it's not as exciting. Right. It's literally more of like a long-term play. And then, you know, from there, I would add your vitamin C and then your exfoliant. But like from an excitement standpoint, and I think that's really rewarding. And I think there's something to be said about... Like when I think about research and stuff like that, it's like, okay, yeah, the next thing you need to do is add a retinoid. But I, when I think about actually being a human and wanting to see results, that's also very motivating to then want to keep using more skincare. So that's why I would recommend toning pads. Yeah. I was just going to say that that's a little tip I give my patients. If, if I have a patient who is like really apprehensive about a skincare routine, or you can kind of see that they're being dragged there, like either by their mom or, or by a partner or they're purchasing a skincare routine for a partner, like their boyfriend or something, I'm like, always go with something like a toning pads because they're going to see a result quicker and it's going to motivate them to then come back and want to actually get into skincare and, and use a full routine. It's super motivating when you see a result quickly. And if you're someone who's maybe not that into skincare, something like that is going to make a huge difference. So I, I love the toning pads. Yes. So we're going to wrap up with just a couple extra questions. What is your Holy Grail skincare product from your line and then one that's not from your line? I normally say I have two, but okay, okay, okay. I love Overachiever. It's a product I'm so proud of because I feel like it really combines, I would consider it to be like 10 plus serums in one. And it's, I really think it does a nice job of actually strengthening the skin. And I think it has the, a role in someone's routine who wants to be a skincare minimalist. And so it can serve as, you know, your antioxidant. Uh, it can serve as a retinoid alternative. We know that, the, you know, we understand retinoid alternatives, but like, you know, it can serve as a lot of different things. And so if you want to be like a skincare minimalist, it pairs really nice. And I also think it's a really good thing to add as like on top of the core four, if you're wanting to like really round out your routine. So that product from like treating redness. It has a little bit of caffeine in it so it can help kind of firm the skin, like fine lines and wrinkles. I just think that is like an all-star product that I have had. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is so funny. We were at our lab on Monday and we were talking to our chemist and he said, when I'm having a bad day, sometimes I just go to bareface.com and read overachiever reviews because it makes me so happy. Because <laughs> he's one of the ones that helped. That is so <laughs> like, sweet. Yeah, it's just one of those. Like, oh my god! I know. I ended up recording him say that because I was like, "This is amazing." Um, that is so cool and really speaks obviously to the product. Yeah. Um, and then outside of barefaced, I love micellar water, but Bioderma micellar. Yeah, water. That's, a good um, one. that's been mm-hmm. a staple in my routine for years. And I've tried a ton of different cleansing balms and those are fun to use. I just always feel, I find myself going back to that product as a um, first cleanse. Yeah. That's an OG. That's such a good one. Yeah. 
And what would you say is your most underrated skincare tip? Like what is something that is so easy to do and no one's doing it? No one's doing it. Or just what's your most, what do you think doesn't get enough publicity and should in this, in the skincare tip world? Okay. 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 Um, it's not that exciting, but I feel like I could think of something better, but touching your face. Mm-hmm. And I think not washing your hands before you touch your face. Um, Cause I notice if I'm sitting here touching my jawline, like I will break out. Yeah. And I think that we're so focused on, uh, I mean, we're, we're, if you're prone to acne, you're going to be prone to acne for forever. And so I think that's one that doesn't make me feel that excited to like, to leave on, but that is, that's like an underrated kind of like simple thing yeah, that anyone absolutely. can do. It's one of those things that doesn't cost you any money. And I think we always yeah. overlook those things. We're like, oh, I need to invest in this, invest in this. When those simple changes sometimes can make a big difference for our, if we're having, you know, problems with our skin. And just like um, pulling your hair back when you sleep. Like there's just little different hacks that, that you can do that, you know, cleaning your pillowcase. Those are like just basic things. I think I've said, you know, brushing your teeth first before mm-hmm. you do skincare routine. There's just like little things. You're really good at sharing tips like that. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably the same for you when you see patients, like these little light bulbs go off and you're like, oh my gosh, that would be like a really good video because, but you're so used to saying them to your patients every day that you don't think about it. And to you, it's just common knowledge, but to the rest of the world, it's definitely not. Yeah. And they're like easy. It's like anyone could do it. Yes. So easy. Exactly. So can we do a giveaway for the audience? Amazing. What do you want to do? What do you want to give away? Um, Let's do a gift card, like a $300 gift card. Does that sound good? Amazing. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Okay. So first of all, whoever wins this gift card, you have to get one of the toning pads because (laughs) they're like, have such a special place in my heart, but let's do you guys follow. Who do you want them to follow? Barefaced? Yeah. Bareface, that sounds great. Okay. So follow at Bareface. And then you'll see on my feed a little IG reel about this video or about this episode. Just let us know in the episode if there is any skin tips you took away and implemented into your own routine, or maybe you went and got a product that you're really excited about after hearing this. Just leave us a little comment and let us know. And we're going to end on one very last question. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Oh, okay. I actually think about this often having kids and how I want them to, you know, think about themselves and the the thing that I want them to like take away. And I feel like the biggest thing, if I went back and, you know, was in high school or something, (laughs) knowing that no one knows what they're doing. And so the people that you like look to or the people that are, that you think are cool or the people that is like, no one knows what they're doing. Everyone's figuring it out. And I think that's really humbling. And I've, I've said that to myself, even now, if I'm in a situation where I feel like, I'm like, why are they asked? Like, why did they ask me to speak? Like, I don't know what I'm taught. Like these people know way more than me, but truly we all have something to learn. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone's like on this journey to figuring it out. And so, yeah, I would say like, and there's just such power in your mindset, like in learning how to coach yourself through certain situations are, are the biggest things that I feel like looking back, I would want to, I, I want to instill in my kids. I love that. I think it takes some time to learn that. But once you do, you're so much more confident in your own decisions because exactly as you said, you know, everyone else is just figuring it out too, you know, at the same yeah. time. You know what? And it also, it's just okay to be different and you should want to be different. Yeah. I love that. I always tell my kids that I'm like, we're Harpers and we're different and we do stuff different. I love that. Because it's like, I want okay. Yeah. And now they say, they'll say different things like we're harp. And we also say we're harpers and we are good people. And so like, I want them 
to them to know, like, you're also a part of our family. You're representing our family, you know? And I want them to be okay being different because we all feel different. Absolutely. By the way, you have like the best mom tips. I've heard you on other interviews and there's so many things. Like the, you had a tip about um, your daughter ordering her own food. And I like, as soon as I listened to that, I told my husband, I'm like, when Josie's old enough, she needs to order her own food. Like it's stuff that you don't think of, but I feel like- Little things, confidence boosters. Yeah, I love that. You have so many good tips. So I love hearing them. So, (laughs) well, thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode because I know that they're really looking forward to it. And everybody go follow. It's at Jordan Harper NP. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Underscore NP. Thank you so much. Wow, that was such an informational episode, and I hope you guys took away tangible tips for your skincare routine. To enter to win the $300 gift card, just follow Barefaced and let Jordan and I know on our IG Reel what tip you're taking away from this episode. As always, be sure to subscribe and review the show. It really helps the podcast to get to the ears of even more skin enthusiasts. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.